Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. You joined us for the episode for Sunday, March 27, 2022. It's entitled, Truth for Tough Times, God's Requirements for Deacons. Well, we're glad you're with us today, so we're going to get right to our study and jump right in. Churches were being born on an explosive continuum when the Apostle Paul wrote 1 Timothy. The newest of the new churches across the Near East were first led by the apostles and their close associates, Then they were pastored by an elder or elders, plural, and then served by deacons as well. The church of Ephesus, where Timothy served, had been established by the Apostle Paul. And he had pastored that church in Ephesus with the elders for about three years. It had a body of elders and a body of deacons. There were churches, though, at all stages of birth, growth, and development when Paul wrote this. So some had not even established elders yet. For example, when Titus was told to go to Crete, one of his jobs was to appoint elders in the churches. So we can see that there's great need for what we're going to read today, instructions on what God's requirements are for deacons. Last week, we looked at the same thing regarding pastors. So today we'll focus on deacons. You know, deacons lift the load of the church and they free the elders, that is the pastors, to labor in the word and doctrine. That is, they free up the pastors of the churches so that they're not having to do the um, day-by-day ministry to the body so that the pastors can grow in their knowledge of the Word of God and in teaching the Word of God. Deacons are to be, listen, listen to this very carefully. Deacons are to be very spiritual men giving very practical service and comfort to the body of Christ. The deacon body is not the war department of the church. The deacons do not have a job description from God to keep the pastor in line. Now, if the pastor needs to be put in line, the entire church can do that. It doesn't require the deacon body to do that. And too often, deacons have an extremely limited view of what their role is within the New Testament church, and yet it is very specific, as we'll see here, in First uh, Timothy chapter three, verses eight through thirteen, what the requirements are. Now we've all heard horror stories about conflict between pastors and deacons, and sometimes those stories are sadly true. But in my ministry experience, when deacons have been scripturally appointed, that is, they met the requirements laid out in God's word and they've been properly equipped by the Word of God. They have a powerful, wonderful ministry to the church, and the church grows, and it matures, and many more are saved by faith in Christ, and they are discipled 
in the Word of God. We first see the Acts appearance of the deacons in Acts chapter 7. That's where the deacon body was first formed. And you can read all about that in Acts chapter 7. Then we see that one of those deacons was so faithful to his ministry and to preaching the word of God as well that he actually died a martyr's death. We also see in the book of Philippians that when Paul saluted the saints at the church in Philippi, he also pointed out that they served with the elders or the bishops, rather, which are elders and pastors, but they served with the bishops and deacons. So you see that again. So let's dive right in, not to delay. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8, Likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre. Notice here in verse 8, it says right away, likewise, you know, in the same way. The same way as what? The same way as the pastors were to uh, meet the requirements, so must the deacons meet requirements that are very similar, by the way, to the pastors. Likewise must the deacons be grave. So we see here, that the word deacons, diakonos, is used here. And an interesting thing about this word, it means to serve, to be a servant. Did you know that ministry often comes dressed in work clothes? Did you know that? Well, the deacons who are real deacons don't mind rolling up their sleeves and working for the Lord Jesus Christ to serve the church. Likewise, must the deacons be grave. This word, simnas, means someone who is august, venerable, honorable, reputable, grave, serious, dignified. So that's the kind of, of character and presence a godly deacon has. Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued. The Greek word here is dialogos. And that means saying the same thing twice, literally is what it means. But in the New Testament, when the word is used, double-tongued, it means speaking one thing and meaning another. Maybe saying they're going to do something, but doing the opposite. Deceitful words. Deacons are not to be characterized in this way. So likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine. They are not to be addicted to much wine. The word much, polys, you know what that means. Like if something is uh, poly-colored, it is many-colored. So this means, the word means great in magnitude or quantity, much, large. So they are not to be dealing with a lot of wine. That's what I get out of this. Now, does it say that they shouldn't ever drink it at all? Well, I can't say that it actually says that. However, I believe that if somebody wants to be fully controlled by the Holy Spirit, they don't need to be dabbling in, you know, alcohol and all of that. I mean, I think it's, I think it's something that, I don't think the Lord is upset when we do not have that in our lives. And that's where I am. I just don't think, 
is something that I need in my life. And maybe you feel the same way. But if someone does use alcoholic beverages, they are, they are not to be under the control of those, uh, those beverages, not addicted to much wine. And of course, by implication, that would include anything uh, like a drug that might uh, gain control over them. So understand that. All right, so let's read uh, further in the verse. Likewise, must the deacons be graved, not, not grave rather, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre. This is an interesting word here. All right. They are not to be greedy of filthy lucre. What does this mean? Iscrocurdes. It means they are not to be eager for dishonorable gain. They are not to be greedy. Have you ever heard it said of someone that they'll do anything for a dollar? That should not be a description of a deacon. There are some things deacons won't do, all right? There are many things deacons won't do if they're a godly deacon. So they are not to be greedy of filthy lucre. All right, verse 9, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. So what are, what are we talking about here? Well, the mystery of the faith, what is that? A mysterion is a, a secret that is concealed. And there were many mysteries and mystery religions in New Testament times and all through antiquity. But the Christian faith in Christ is also a mystery, but it's the, it's the real kind. We cannot really know or understand the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ, who he is, and what he came to do, unless God reveals that to us. It is a matter uh, that we need to be initiated into by his spirit. You know, once you're born again, you, are, you understand the mystery, what has been concealed previously. And when people get saved, they often wonder, why couldn't I see this before? Because it is the mystery of the faith. And notice here, it is the mystery of the faith. This is, this is um, the word the is a definite article. It points to a certain faith. That is the Christian faith, all right? The mystery of the faith. It's not the mystery of faith. It's the mystery of the faith. That is the Christian truth the gospel, all right? So it's a secret which would remain a secret if God did not reveal it to us. So a deacon is one who, who holds the mystery of the faith, that is the gospel, the truth about Jesus, in a pure conscience. Kateros is the Greek word for pure conscience. And conscience is... Synodesis, it is a, the inward moral spiritual framework of a man, okay? So let's put that together. The deacon is to hold the mystery, holding the mystery of the faith, the faith, in a pure conscience. He is to have a clean, pure, unsoiled, uh, clean from guilt, 
guiltless, innocent, sincere, upright, virtuous, devoid of evil, clean ceremonially and morally, he is to have a clean conscience. That is, that inward life of that deacon is clean. And he is able to hold securely the Christian truth, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. All right, verse 10. And let these also first be proved. They are to be um, put to the test. Let's read that passage. Dokimazo. They are to, it means to, um, this is what the word means. I'll tell you what we're to do with the deacon. It means to test, to assay or test metals, to prove, to try, to examine, scrutinize, to put to the proof, to approve after trial, to judge worthy, to choose, you know, because someone is the real thing, and to decide upon after examination and to distinguish or to discern. So, and let these also first be proved. So, not just any man is to be put into the deacon ministry. He has to be one who's been carefully examined and he proves to be the real deal. All right? It is not an honorary position. No man should be a deacon because his daddy was and his granddaddy was, and so it's assumed he will be too. He shouldn't be if he's not qualified. And let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Now, what does that word blameless mean? Does it mean that he has never sinned? No, it doesn't mean that. It means that he is unblameable, irreproachable. Let's say that he, he knows he fails to live by the word. Then he comes under the conviction of the Spirit, and he, he repents, and the Lord uh, cleans him up and restores him. So this is somebody who keeps short accounts with the Lord Jesus Christ. A deacon might might stumble. That's certainly possible. But a real deacon called and equipped by God will not be someone whose entire life is characterized as a life of sin. All right? I think we know what we're saying here. He should be the real deal, not to say that anyone is completely perfect. But the word means to be unblameable, irreproachable. Verse 11, even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. The word here for wives is gyne. It means a woman, a married woman, a wife. We get the word gynecology from this root word. It means a female. Write that down, all right? Even so must their wives, uh, who are their wives? Well, they have to be female wives, all right? Even so must their wives be grave. What does this mean? 
Grave means that they are, um, somehow I think I missed that. I, I saw it, but I don't think I put it in here. They are to be just like their husbands are, where we saw that they were to be uh, simnos, same word, august, venerable, honorable, reputable, grave, serious, dignified. So they're not uh, party girls. They're not the life of the party in that sense. They are godly women, all right? So let's, let's go a little further. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers. This is the word diabolos. We know that that means devil, right? They are not to be a slanderer, a treacherous informer, a traitor, this is not to characterize the wife and a female wife, by the way, of a deacon. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderer, sober. Nephalios is the Greek word, somber, temperate, abstinent in respect to things like wine. It means to be vigilant, circumspect, self-control. So these are squared away women married to squared away men who serve the church as deacons. They are to be the same way. Even so, must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. So they are to be uh, those who are completely worthy of trust, right? That's what they are to be completely worthy of trust. Verse 12, let the deacons be the husbands of one wife. Just as we saw earlier last week when we looked at the requirements God has for pastors, we saw that, that they also were to be like this. And the same word is used, anear. This means a male. It cannot mean anything else. There are other words that could have been used if it meant, like for example, person. Let the deacons, let the males deacons, or let the deacons be the husbands, that is the, the, the male husbands of one female wife. That's the only way you can break this out and be true to the word. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife. They were to be one woman kind of men, not playboys. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. They are to proistomy, they are to preside in front of, they are to lead their own children, their own offspring, their own families, and their home well. You know, and I go back to the first part of verse 12, let the deacons be the husbands of one wife. I'm sure you've heard it before. If not, let me say it again. Um, a woman cannot be the husband of one wife, period. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife. So this means when people, I think, mistakenly say that women can be ordained as deacons and ordained as pastors and all of that, 
It's just completely wrong. You see, I believe that God is able to say exactly what he means and that every word of scripture is inspired by God equally. So if he had meant to say something else, then he certainly would have had no problem doing so. This is not cultural. This is scriptural. So I don't like that. Then take it up with God. This is God's requirement. And we address why this may be so last week when we looked at pastors. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. Verse 13, for they that have used the office of a deacon well, purchase to themselves, that is they acquire uh, for themselves, they purchase to themselves a good degree. This has the idea of a step up, like a, a better standing, let's say, literally like a step and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. This word parousia means, for boldness, means freedom in speaking. Very bold for the Lord Jesus Christ because of their service as godly deacons. I hope this has helped you understand better God's requirements for deacons. Now, you might be a deacon and you might be saying, I don't meet any of this then you need to resign. You should not be a deacon. Or maybe you're saying as a church member, well, my deacons don't meet this. Well, your church needs deacons who do meet this. And if your church won't do that, then you need another church, right? That's the importance of this. These are God's requirements, not something that I made up. This is all written down, and everybody who wants to know what it is has a Bible, and they can see it for themselves. If you're in a church that has deacons that are like this, you should thank the Lord, and you should encourage them and encourage your pastors who have helped uh, select these deacons and... um, you know, guide their work as well. That's an important thing. Thank the Lord for great deacons. Thank you that, Lord Jesus, this is your idea, and great godly deacons strengthen the church. Well, those are God's requirements for deacons. Listen, it is possible that you've listened to this episode of This Week in the Word, at www.dredhill.podbean.com. You found it, and you listened to this, and even though I'm talking about deacons and the requirements for deacons, the only thing you've been hearing is you have been being called by the Holy Spirit to give your life to Jesus Christ, that you need Him as your Savior. You know, only God can do that because I'm talking about deacons, but the Lord has been talking to you about your need possibly for the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you have questions about that. Write this phone number down, 877-247-2426. 877-247-2426. Call that number. You won't speak to me, but you'll speak with a counselor who can answer your questions and help lead you to actual 
personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you'll know for certain how your eternity is going to turn out. You don't have to guess anymore. Instead of continuing to follow Satan and being condemned with him to an eternal hell, you can get off that highway to hell and follow Jesus Christ and be welcomed into heaven and eternity with him. Some of you may want to go to chataboutjesus.com, chataboutjesus.com. Here's some good news, but we start first with the bad news. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23, it gets worse. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then in Romans 10, verse 13, we read, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I hope you'll do that today if you're not a Christian. If you are a Christian, continue to serve with the deacons and pastors God has put in your church encourage them. And if you don't have those kind of pastors and deacons, find yourself a real church. Thanks for listening today. I hope you will like this episode and also share it with someone and that you will subscribe, you will follow it, the podcast, and you'll be notified every time, every week when we post a brand new episode. Thank you for listening. God bless you. I look forward to teaching again next week. Bye-bye.